You're listening to the Laugh Factory Podcast Network. For more shows, visit the podcast page at laughfactory.com. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is uh, Ruben Paul, and welcome to the Pod Couple Podcast. Um, and to the right of me is uh, a guy you guys, I, I guess, are getting to know. Uh, <laughs> He's my partner in crime. And getting to like. Oh, my God. Can you let me finish an yeah. intro, dude? Sorry, man. I haven't let you, I haven't let you finish you, one You haven't yet. let me finish one right. intro. Cut. Why are we even two. doing this together? Cut. Take like, two. <laughs> I mean, we really, I, sometimes I wonder if I really do like this dude, but he's my, my right-hand man, yeah, my partner man. in crime. Uh, some of you guys might recognize him. Well, you're not actually visually seeing him right now, mm-hmm. but you guys might know him from from Mad TV, yeah. the lost season, yeah. and uh, the, the two lost seasons. <laughs> the two lost seasons. Oh, you and- were on there, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was on when nobody at the end when no. Hey, can I finish introducing oh, you? Yeah. And uh, he's in a new movie out right now called Tackle Shop. What a surprise! Uh, it was a stretch, man. It was a stretch. It was a stretch, man. You really flexed your acting skills. I did, dude. I had shop. to get definitely uh, deep, man. I had to do some deep character uh, method acting. Anyway, ladies and gentlemen, give it up for the one and only, my co-host, Mr. Johnny Sanchez. Thank you. I'm, I'm doing it for myself. We have a guest here, and you're yeah. still the only one who's clapping. Yeah. So. <laughs> that shows you how we all feel about you already just 45 seconds into this podcast. What up, Johnny? You good? Yeah, I'm good, man. You good? I'm good, man. Okay. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I'm excited. Uh, Me too, the man. reason why we're excited is because uh, I have a close friend that's on the show today, and I, it's really – there's so many things that I could say about him, but um, – He's a great musician. Um, he's a dope artist in his own right. Uh, he's worked with everybody from Whitney Houston to Lady Gaga mm-hmm. to, I mean, the list goes on. But the guy on the top of the list for me that he worked with was uh, the great Michael Jackson. And uh, if you saw the movie This Is It, the documentary of uh, Michael Jackson's last documentary yeah. leading up to the tour, tour. he was supposed to do, uh, you will have you would have seen who I call the great Michael Bearden. So let's give it up for the great Michael yeah, Bearden. Man. Tommy, you Thank better you. clap. Thank you. <laughs> you better clap, Tommy. Come on now. All right. Damn it. That's the what we paid. That's what we paid you nothing clapping. for. <laughs> <laughs> Earn your nothing pay, Tommy. <laughs> oh, is that what I'm getting Tommy's pay today? <laughs> okay. Hey man. But uh one thing about Michael Bearden, man, is uh is he's just a wealth of knowledge when it comes to uh music, him being in the music industry mm. for so long and he'll begin to tell you about that but he's also a huge comedy fan and that's how we connected um because uh michael was also the band leader for george lopez's talk show on tbs and um as a lot of you listeners know i work with george a lot and me and mike hit it off and i was shocked on his comedy knowledge how much he knew about comedy and then through these deep conversations we realized how similar comedy and music is the process of how we put things together how we create um and it's just i find it fascinating because a lot of my friends as you know johnny are in the music industry you know musicians and producers and and mike does all that so mike welcome to the show brother hey guys thank you for having me yeah yeah i mean it's an honor it's an honor to have you 
Um, we're going to jump right in it because uh, um, as of this taping, um, yesterday, Monday, was uh, the anniversary, the nine-year anniversary of Michael Jackson's death. Yes. And not to jump and be too deep, I know how close you were, but I'd be remiss to have you on the show and not you know, get some of your feelings and your thoughts on like what you felt, like what it might, when you woke up and realized, did you know the day before that it was the anniversary? Like what, what hit you? The day before Monday, what, the, the, the nine year anniversary? Yeah, before the nine year anniversary. You know, like what's, what's that, what's that like? That's, the funny thing about that is that, that day is also one of my younger brother's birthday. Oh. The same day. Wow. wow. So when it, when it happened nine years ago, we had just finished, uh, it was a long day because yeah. Michael and I were just looking at things that needed to be done for the tour. And we had dinner together. Well, actually, he ate. I just sat there and watched him eat. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but then the, the last rehearsal, I think I posted about it this week, uh, the last rehearsal we did, he was just, man, it was, it was amazing to watch him. And, what, and he looked back at me at one point as if to say, yeah, I'm Michael Jackson. What, now, what was so amazing? You know what, what was so amazing was because everything was just starting to click. We were still just trying to figure out the show and what it was going to be. And, and ex explain to the audience exactly what you do when preparing for a tour working with an artist. What is a music director? Uh, yes, he's... Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Yeah. As a music director, because you also do choreography as well, right? No, I don't know. Oh, do oh, no, all the music. It's all music. Just, all it's the all music. music. He okay. puts the show together. You know, but that, got it. One day I'm just going to do a whole documentary on what a We've music been, director. Hey, 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 don't let it all out the bag <laughs> yet, Mike. Don't let it all out the bag yet, man. But just tell them what you do, because I don't think yeah. a lot of people really yeah. appreciate the job of a musical director and putting those live shows on, and you've worked with the best. And, and But go ahead. Yeah, well, basically, the, the fast elevator answer is a music director is like a movie director. Mm. They're in charge of everything, every aspect of the movie making experience. Of the live show. Of, of the, so Steven Spielberg or Ryan Coogler, whoever the director, you know, Antoine Foucault, whoever the direct, director is, they're in charge. I like of, how you drop the two black directors in there. You, that's, what, that's, you know. that's what I'm talking about, Mike B. <laughs> so you, drop the brothers in you, there. You know, they're, they're in charge. Well, there's a casting agent, but he's, he's got the final say-so on who's in the movie and which way it goes and which shot it is and which direction the movie goes. It's the same as the, mu the music director. You know, for instance, uh, Lady Gaga, I'm her music director, and um, I was nominated for Emmy for the Super Bowl halftime show. That's what's up. I was going to drop that yeah, on him, yeah, too, yeah, Mike. Yeah, but I, knew I knew that, too. I knew that, too. The only oh, reason my, I, you, but yeah, the only reason okay, I bring good. that up now is in the context of the question is, so when you approach with something like that, you know, I sat in her house, her and, and her creative director, choreographer, me and Richie, uh, we're really close knit with her and, and we really are in there at the beginning of working working on all this stuff so she hit me with you know we have 12 minutes mm. and she has a catalog even in her young career she has a amazing catalog. catalog yeah and so it's my job to get you know the 14 song or 15 songs she threw at me and make it all make sense in the context of 12 minutes that's the, that's the music Damn. director's job you know, so even so, so let me let me ask you this, Mike. Minutes. Yeah, Twelve minutes. So, so when she hits you with that. with fourteen what with fourteen song choices, do you try to figure out how to make all fourteen work, or you come back to her and go, Gaga? No, see, we this, can do seven. <laughs> yeah. 
of the four these are the seven we should do well, and or that's that? that's the dance that's the process of the music director you have to have that trust the artist has to have that trust in you that you a know their music and b that you want to take care of their music and them and make them look good yeah the best way they can so when you come back at them you know that most artists are just going to be excited and they just want to do everything they know and they yes. just want to show everything up it's your job to go like i always say with with gaga because she's such a creator for us my my job is just to keep her in the yard i'll let her run around mm -hmm. i just i just just <laughs> keep her in, in there. the yard i yeah. just keep her in the yard just let her go and then i'll say okay i like that idea but what if we try this mm -hmm. so the Super Bowl was just more like a jigsaw puzzle. It was like, how am I going to make this? Because first of all, I hate medleys. I just I despise <laughs> medleys. Because, uh. because you never get enough of what the song is. Then you write off to the next song. Yeah. And, and it's just like this it's very kind of like, oh, it's just. So what's the way to make that cool? That's, so that was my job. It was like, how am I going to make this jigsaw puzzle? feel like something that the people will be able to grab so onto. let me ask you this so once you guys have the conversation of the songs you want to do do you at what point do you guys bring richie in for the visual aspect of it is that something you and well R you know richie, who's the, the way richie who i love he's he's brilliant 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 talented dude and the way we work with her in specific uh is that we kind of tag team it together like well go have lunch and we'll, we'll say, you know, not just for the Super Bowl, for like for her tours, we put her tours together and stuff. So we'll go, okay, what's the mood that we want to create with some feedback from her initially, or sometimes maybe not. Mm -hmm. You know, when we, when we did Coachella, she was shooting the movie that's going to come out with Bradley Cooper. Yeah. Star is Born. Yeah. Basically, she was just like, you know, you guys put it together, put me in it because she was too busy. Mm -hmm. So we had to sit down and just go, okay, what do we want to do? What do we want to say? What do we want to convey? And then I'll just start throwing out songs and go, no, that's not going to do that mood. So we be, I got this from MJ, actually. Actually, MJ explained it to me this one day. He and I were sitting in the, in the room, and his, his youngest son was there, and he was just running around. This is a great thing about is MJ. Is that Blanket? Blanket was there, and he, he was there. <laughs> this so, is funny to say that's no, a child's yeah. name. But, it was, <laughs> but what, was so, what was funny for me, Rube, yeah. and Johnny, was that, you know, I grew up idolizing Michael. I'm from the yeah. south side of Chicago. They're from yeah. Gary. Nobody mm. that looked like me was that popular. Like, so yeah. just, just be sitting in the room with one Crazy. of your idols, and then his young son is something. So he and I are trying to work on the, on the set list. Mm. And so then Blanket is just running around. He said, Michael goes, hold, hold on a second, hold on. And then he just goes over to Blanket and just starts being a dad on him. Oh, right. And I'm just, <laughs> and I'm just sitting there. And then Blanket, and, you see and I was just like, wow. Oh, like, he, he got some Joe in him. <laughs> <laughs> that Joe Jackson came out. Yeah. Blanket, I mean, don't make me whoop you with this blanket. <laughs> no, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't violent. No, I don't mean to suggest that. No, no, that. no. But, no, it, no but, you, but so, that black dad came out. The black dad came yeah. out. But so, but getting back to the trying to put the set list together so he was saying to me and we were going well one one thing that also made me smile was he he brought out a, a piece of paper that his his oldest son put together <laughs> they went online and did a survey of what songs that the fans wanted to hear and so he had a printout of it oh so wow he, he reached out, he, he reached in and and got the, the sheet of paper out but he said i want you to look at this and he reached in his pocket and pulled out some glasses and put the glasses on wow and i, and I just sat there and i'm just smiling he's like what and I, <laughs> and I said, 
I was like, nothing, MJ. And I was just, just because you could see his humanity. And that was mm. the thing that mm. I just really loved about that, just that little moment. But he was showing me the, the songs and what they want. Billy Jean was one, and they had mm. to print out, like, how many people voted. I mean, it was really extensive. Then he showed me a, a list of what he wrote. He said, look at this. And so I looked at it. I said, well, this is great, but you have no off the wall on here. And he would just go, I don't. And he'd ball it up and he would just throw it away. And so he put a list together and didn't have off the wall on there. That's how many hits. That's how many hits has. this brother got. <laughs> He had yeah. no Look at Tommy's wall. like, what's off the wall? <laughs> <laughs> he has no yeah, idea yeah. what off the wall wow. is. You do? Yeah. Okay, yeah, Tommy knows what off the wall. Yeah. How old are you, Tommy? Uh, 23. He's 23. Okay. Okay. Tommy Tommy just said Michael Jackson is huge. Thanks, Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we keep you around, buddy, and got you on salary for nothing. <laughs> but that's what but that's a good point. That's he, that shows you how big that's Michael how Jackson huge. is. He, well, he knows about him. He, you know. Yeah, well, and if we did all his hits, I would tell him, I mean, we'd be on stage for two weeks, man. Like it's just like it's <laughs> so many. But I, the thing the thing that I'm getting at is the the way he described how you do a, a set list or how you, you it's got to be like a roller coaster ride like you have to design it like a roller coaster so we take him up and you, he was doing the click sound click 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 and then we go down really and then now do we want to take him on a loop first or do we want him to go backwards first then we want to go up down so he said this is how we want to do our music Michael we want to beard and he gonna be so you know we want to we want to make the then then feels like it's the ride is over then we go up again and that's how he described it so that. <laughs> how I do it. it that's just dope but this is what I'm fascinated about and uh I don't think I've ever asked you this as long as we've been friends what was the moment because me and Johnny talk about this in in our careers when you got the gig what was that <laughs> process when you got oh, when the, you get the phone call and goes hey man Michael Jackson wants you to be his musical director for his comeback tour like what like, what was that? Take us through that process of how did you even get up for the job? Yeah, the, that's what I was going to ask. The yeah. inter, you know, like, yeah. what was that you interview? Know, me, interview, right. The it, well, okay, I'll go to the interview. How I got up for it, well, I would. This is so dope. Well, I was, I was, I've been a music director for a very long time, since I was, a, since I was 10 years old. Wow. I used to lead bands in my neighborhood. He's and a child prodigy, these people. These were older guys in the band, but I was the only one, like, directing. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what an MD was, and I just was the leader. Yeah. And so I've been doing it for a very long time. But so my career was I was with Whitney. I was Madonna's MD for nine years. J-Lo. Wow. I was D'Angelo's first and the only music director. Oh, just. On that Brown Sugar album? Yes. Woo! The, Man, that album is fire. That, I did that. Yes. The, the famous uh, Supper Club in New York where Prince couldn't get in. I yeah, isn't that when uh, De Niro and all them all came out and saw him? Yeah. I was there and saw all of it. Wow. Yeah, it was really crazy. But anyway, so I had a reputation, and then I had worked with Michael at the 30th anniversary concert at the Garden right before 911 happened. Oh, okay. Uh, and now it's a whole other story. We wanted to talk about that now. But I was J-Lo's MD at the time. Well, now I was just starting to work with J-Lo. I wasn't her MD yet. Uh, anyway, so the reputation was out there. I, I guess, you know, he was looking for a new music director because he was looking at more than one person. I wasn't just the only one. Mm -hmm. I think it was like four or five guys on the list. And so I got on the list. I was on the short list. Anyway, I got a call from Kenny Ortega. He says, well, you know, we're interested. Can you come down and do an interview? Tell everybody who Kenny Ortega is. Kenny Ortega is. was the director of, of This Is It, but he was a 
you know, famous choreographer for mm -hmm. a long time. He's the uh, he's director of High School Musicals, I think, it, it, the, the movie franchises, mm -hmm. and um, a lot of things. And just a great, great, great human being. Yeah. I really enjoyed working with him and Travis. And so I went down and I, interv I interviewed with just Kenny first. Michael wasn't there, and Kenny was just like, oh, Michael's gonna, Michael's gonna love you. Now, I, already, I don't know if Kenny knew that I knew Michael, uh, but I hadn't seen Michael in a, in a minute. So mm -hmm. so what I said to Kenny was, this, he said, can you come back? We're going to have Michael come later. I was like, sure. I said, when I come back, make sure there's keyboards in here. And they were like, keyboards, why? I said, just make sure it's a keyboard in here so I can play. And so when I got there, I I went in first, and, and I was just on the keyboard. And they said, okay, we're going to go get Michael and bring Michael in. Michael comes in, but I'm already playing. Because I just wanted to have the rapport the, with The atmosphere. And the thing is, I hadn't seen Michael. There was all these rumors about he was sick and he was in a wheelchair and all this stuff. And when he came in, he was just like, he was like dancing. And he was walking because I was playing some music. And he just came in. And so we hugged each other. And I said, hey, how you doing? So then he would just sit there and talk to me. He was just sitting on the side. And he would ask me questions. And me being me, I would also ask him questions. Yes. Because if I'm going to take that leadership role, I'm just not just going to be like, oh, whatever you say. I was like, I need to be able to assert my knowledge exactly. and what I want to do yeah. as well. I think, I think that kind of took him aback because he was so used to everybody just doing whatever just doing yeah. whatever. Yeah, whatever. But so then in the in middle of the interviews, he would, he would just say stuff and I would just go, hey. And I just started playing some music. I said, sing this, Michael. <laughs> and he would, and to his credit, he would do it. So it was just me, Kenny, and MJ, and his assistant. And for like a half hour, me and him did a concert <laughs> in, in the interview. Well, I mean, wow. at that moment, I would have to feel like Michael was thinking, like, you guys are just two artists jamming together. And you know what I mean? It's it not like I'm Michael Jackson no, and you're was. Michael Beard. And it's like, yo, let's. You know, and, and that was the reason I had keyboards there because I just wanted to get the rapport started right away and let him know how it could be. And then I also, in the back of my mind, I did some homework. Like, I already knew what his favorite songs were, mm. uh, the stuff that he liked, like "Smile" and stuff like that. So he was like, "Oh, you know that." And then I would play that, and Kenny would go, "What's that?" And then Michael would go, "You don't know what that is." And, then, <laughs> and so I had him. So then, and so then I then I left because it was a couple guys waiting to come in. Oh, they're doing like, it was, oh, you oh think, like an audition? I'm yeah, like thinking yeah. it's just like separate days. No, no, no. Yeah, it, was I didn't think guys, it was a couple guys. It was a couple guys waiting. Could they hear you jamming? I it? hope so. <laughs> <laughs> It's like when we go to an audition. audition yeah. and you hear somebody. Oh. <laughs> well, but what it was, wow. me being smart, I was just like, okay. So, you know, he was like, oh, that was great. We was thinking. And so then I said, okay, so can I get the set list? And he just started laughing because I hadn't had the gig yet, but I'm already asking for like, yeah, what are we doing? I mean, literally, I didn't even think I got home and the car was, you know, cold enough yet before they called me. And it was just like, Michael loves you. Can you come back tomorrow? Oh, wow. And that was that. And that's how I got. And when I got it, poor guy who came in after you, though. <laughs> yeah, I said to myself, "Well, I don't, you know I'm mean? not. I'm, I'm, I like to be humble. I'm not that guy. But I. But when I go for a thing that I want to have, yes. I, Come on, man. You already know. Yeah. You 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 claim but, it. But yeah. but how about the other guy or guys late after the talking to their friends going. Well, yeah, man. I mean, but he had to bring in a keyboard, though. <laughs> <laughs> See, I just went in to talk and give my. Yeah, you know. if I didn't know we was bringing in keyboards. <laughs> shit, I didn't know we was bringing in keyboards. Yeah, man, I know how to play the C chart. And you know, I brought the C chart. You know, when somebody's full of shit, he come in, it's like, well, here, here's a keyboard. You can use it. Oh, I, 
I don't, I, I got to have my own keyboard. I was like, <laughs> you know, I, I need to be, I'm left-handed. <laughs> Is that a left-handed yeah. keyboard? <laughs> yeah. it, it, wow. But so, you know, and it, it wow. never really hit me that I had the gig until I started working. Because I never believe something is real. To how, so, yeah. How's business? How quick was the process between can you come back tomorrow to we're starting to work on this thing? As, as quick as I want. You know, the, the, that tomorrow, that next day meeting went this way. So when they when they called me and they said that I had it and, and then we started to get the business rolling. I had people. I said, well, I'll direct you to the people. Yeah, to get my to money. Do, to get that. To get money. my money. But you know what, Ruth and Johnny, the, the, thing, the thing was, I never even thought about money. You work with Michael Jackson. I wouldn't either. I never, it's like yeah, Tommy thought, comes to work every day just happy to be with me and Johnny. <laughs> That's right. You don't care about money. Right, Tommy? You don't give a damn about money. Tommy, I'm going to get you paid before I leave. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to get you paid. No, so so what I asked him, I said, okay, so when I come back, can I have a meeting with just Michael and his manager, Frank D'Elia, who also has passed away now. Frank, uh, you know, Italian guy with the cigar and oh, wow. all that kind of thing. You've seen him. He's been in movies and stuff. He, Frank is a good guy. So it's just me and Michael and Frank in the room the next day. And uh, he was all smiling. Welcome. You know, we, we about to do this. You ready? And all that. So I said, yeah. He said, so what's up? You want to have a meeting? I said, yeah. He said, yeah, what's up? I said, yeah, I want to fire everybody you work with. And he looked at me like. What? Yes. I said, I want to fire everybody that that's here. And he said, he said, <laughs> Damn, why? He said, why? And so Frank was Frank was just kind of leaning back, but then he just sat up like, okay, did we make the right, like, what's going on here? I said, no, because here's what it is. You you're trying you want to get back to prominence. I said, I want to keep the focus on what the goal is. And so the goal is to get you back to your triumph at 50 years old, right? So we can't do that because... I had just gotten a gig and I was already getting calls from people that wanted to be on the gig. Mm. I didn't other, even, other musicians, I, right? Musicians, just, just hangers on, just people. Yeah. So I hadn't even signed any paperwork <laughs> or anything yet. And so what I told MJ was like, I want to get rid of what I call the fire starters, the agenda havers, the check getters, all the people that don't have the goal in mind. I said, we're going to get enough from the outside of slings and arrows coming at us. I said, I don't want that on the inside, so I want to create what I call a sanctuary for you so when you can come in here, you can be vulnerable, nobody's judging you, you can mm. make mistakes when you want to. Mm. You know, we create and we're doing and we have an atmosphere of love when we come in here, so I want to get rid of all the riffraff and all that. And he was, and I won't mention a name, but he was like, you know, it's funny you say that. I've been having some problems with blah, blah. He said, nobody's ever talked to me like that. I said, you never hired me as your MD before. Yeah. And then Frank looked at me. He's like, he looked at me in the mic. This kid's got something. This kid's got something. No, he, he said, we got the right guy. That's what he said. Oh, we that's got. dope. So then he said to me, the greatest thing ever, I said, he said, so you want to hire musicians? And, you know, I'm having dancer auditions. That's like, well, Travis handles that. That's not my department. He, he'll, he'll handle all that. He said, but, you know, musicians, I said, let me pick the ones that I know will come in here and do the work that needs to be done. Uh, but also give you the kind of the, uh, the climate that I wanted to create there. Then he said, but I got to pick my drummer. Uh, well, I have to have the veto. Did you guys use? Um, well, I'm going to tell okay. you. I'm going to tell you. So I said, well, who do you want? And he told me who he wanted, which was Jonathan Moffitt. Sugarfoot. Sugarfoot. And then, so then I asked him, I said, well, why do you want him? Best answer any artist that I work with, which is over 450 now, that has said to me, he said, every time he plays, 
He makes me want to dance. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, Lionel B introduced me to Sugarfoot, man. Oh, Jonathan's oh. great. Jonathan's amazing. Well, the thing, and the thing that I had to learn, too, because I learned a lot, uh, just even about myself and working with Michael, was that, you know, I was going to come in and get all these hot new young guys and do all that kind of thing. But in him saying that he wanted foot, uh-huh. I had to learn that it wasn't just about what I wanted to create in my image of what Michael was. Also, Michael needed to have a familiarity and comfort zone of who was in his band. So when he looked around, he saw Foot there because Foot was working with him since he was a, a teenager. So <laughs> mm-hmm. he could see that. But not only that, there's nobody on the planet that plays Michael Jackson's music better than him. Yeah. Could you tell... Some of the, uh, the people who Sugarfoot is and a little bit of his resume, so they get the oh enormity God. of I having I, I, like he, this. He's, he's with, considered one of the best drummers of all time. He's one of the, well, there's there's nobody that plays that beat on Shake Your Body Down to the Ground like him. Like he plays all that. That was programmed in the studio, if I'm not mistaken. He played it because he thought it was played. And so when he oh went and started playing God. it, and the, the brothers told him like, "No, we programmed that." So he's like. He played all that. And so I was just like, what? And and that was my thing that I wanted to do, which is why I think a lot of the people that saw This Is It and and saw the band that I put together and how the music felt was that I wanted to get, you know, today's artists, and and I'm not knocking it, but everybody's on the computer because they have the, the sounds and things that they want to hear that they recorded in the records and certain things that you just have to have that are iconic and, to your piece so i get that but my thing is when you're on a computer is it's still a computer and you're a slave to it so you're not it's not enough feel we mm-hmm. come from an era where you had to know how to play yeah and so so did michael so i wanted to have more of that than computer stuff now michael's music is so iconic there's so much stuff that you just can't recreate like that the when that comes on the way you make me feel about that that thing that starts it, yeah. I ain't gonna redo that every night, so I'm gonna put that. <laughs> so put that, put that, put that on the computer. I ain't about to yeah. yeah. Put that on the computer, but then yeah. once that starts, then then let the band go. Yeah, because I had all the guys that can play, so mm. we just do a lot. That's he, interesting, he man. And, that anything so you want to ask him, Johnny? I well, know you probably got some questions. Well, uh, just not not that this is backtracking at all, but but j- back to first getting the word that he that you got it. Mm-hmm. Um, did you go out you, and buy something, Mike? No. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, like I said, he wasn't thinking about. But but were you thinking of the enormity of it all? Like the, like the, literally, this is it. This is go, you were coming yeah. on to. I mean, I I, I don't know if, how the mindset is of something that big. This is Michael Jackson's. This is it. This could be. Nobody knows at that at that time. Could be his last or whatever. But you did know this would be the largest world tour ever ever probably ever 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 there were things that i mean did that sink like after going okay i got it and you didn't think about money you weren't thinking about but was what about that did that sink into you like oh wait a minute i just took on i i'm taking on well you know what's interesting about that question and i'm gonna let you answer uh mike is in movies like you don't know what the movie is gonna be you just Hey, I booked this film and I'm going to be in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like nobody knew Titanic was going to be Titanic or 
Schindler's yeah. List was going right. to be Schindler's List. Right. Like, but you know no, going no, into you Michael Jackson. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know. Right, right. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. there ain't no guessing. Like, you know immediately, like, I'm working with Michael Jackson. This is going to be the biggest tour in the world, period. You know, I mean, I, I haven't thought about any of this in so long you know, for, that's why you here, motherfucker. For, 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 <laughs> yeah, we make you think on the pod couple podcast. <laughs> you know, just for personal reasons of just still dealing with all, yeah. all the emotions, the emotions of, of it and everything. Yeah. But you know what, Johnny? I never really thought of the enormity of the task. I only thought about the task. The task. So because. And that was, you, that's what makes you great, man. I just. I just and, and the thing was, I just wanted. To humble myself to the to the music one and pay reverence to that because one I grew up with it but yeah. it was I wanted to present a, a foundation for him to just be able to not worry about anything just float on top of it and so I I remember one day having lunch with him in his room and he said how the band come in I was like we know thirty songs I mean literally probably like in two weeks I had the Whoa. band popping and I said to him I said you know we like a Ferrari we can go from zero to sixty like that. And we know 30 songs. And then he looked at me. He said, oh, that's good. He said, I never like Ferraris. I always like, <laughs> I like Rolls Royces. I like to go slow so they can see me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. I was like, wow. I said, okay. <laughs> so, so when you went, wow. so getting back to, to Sugarfoot. Yeah. Uh, so did you guys systematically, did you go? Mike, these are the people that I want, and he had to approve them, or he's just like, "Yo." No, well, what happened was I got I got a few people that I just wanted, and I just placed in the band, and and of course, you know, he would come in and listen and approve. Okay. Uh, but he tr you know, he, he was start, he was starting to trust me, but he did give me one. He gave me one edict that he wanted. He says, "Okay, I need a female guitar player. I want her to be blonde." She gotta be able to shred. She gotta be able to shred. I was like, okay, Mike, you giving me a tall order. So I was just like, all right, I'll get now. This is how long ago this was. So mm -hmm. I, I was asking my friends and they started throwing out names. And then the one name that came back a lot was Orianthe, the, the the girl who I actually chose. And she had just played the Grammys with Carrie Underwood, I think. And then so I hit her up on MySpace. Wow. That's how long ago this was, right? <laughs> oh, because you're prepared. Was this being prepared in 07? No, this oh, is 09. This was 09, but my. Oh, it's all happening in 09. Yeah, okay. Yeah, this okay. is 09. And so I hit her up. Uh, we, we First, we talked to her management at that time, and the managers just ruined it. Like, you know, they just ruined it. And I was being just, difficult. They, yeah. It was just horrible. And I was like, no, let me talk to you, the client. And I was like, you know, if it gets you, I'm going to get right to her. That's why I went to MySpace. And I hit her. I said, this is not a joke. I am Michael Jackson's music director. I need you to come down. This is my number. You know, blah, blah, blah. She hit me right away. And she says, I know I've heard of you and blah, blah, blah. And so she says, well, what you like me to do? I said, I want you to learn Beat It uh, and then get back to me. She called me back in a half hour. What else do you need? I was like, you know the song already? She <laughs> said, yes. I said, learn Dirty Diana, too. Oh, yeah, you got to play hit, the guitar on Dirty she Diana. Hit, she hit me back with maybe within an hour again. She says, I'm good. What else? I said, Damn. okay, I need you to come down to rehearsal, come with the band, and let me see how you feel with us, then I'll bring Michael in. She came down. We played Beat It. Killed it. <laughs> <laughs> like, I know Eddie Van Halen. I was like, 
you are up on on Eddie. And the funny thing about her was I did this record with, with Herbie Hancock a few years before that, or maybe just a couple years before that, and um, with all these people, John Mayer, Sting, all these people, and, and Carlos Santana. And so we were up in the Bay Area, and Carlos was telling me about her. Man, you, you got to meet this girl. And he was telling me about her, and she can play and all that stuff. But then it was like, Three, a few years later, I finally met. I was like, oh, you're the one Carlos That's was it. telling me about. Wow. You're that girl. When like other it. guitar players, yes. great guitar players, are telling you, you need to yes. hear somebody play. Yes. My God. No, Santana. Santana, exactly. Santana. Santana. Oh, Santana. So Carlos was telling me about I said, oh, so then she came in, the band loved her. So I brought, now this is how a wonderful human being michael is so he was in his room and i said i think you're ready oh ori i said let me go get michael she was obviously nervous she was so nervous and so i brought mj in. and then well the first thing before that when she was coming down and and she was learning the stuff and i saw michael the next day i said i found a girl and i showed her a photo he said Mm. <laughs> <laughs> the way you make me feel <laughs> You really turned me on oh, like, Yeah, right here He's just cracking me up so much So I went to his room He's like, y'all ready? You ready for me? And so I said, yeah So, so I brought him I walked with him And we came in And as soon as he got in the room He knew she was nervous mm. He didn't even sit down He went directly to her and put his arms around her like this and said, you got this, you good. Like, you know, he was just talking wow, to that's her. that's awesome, man. He just, he just broke the ice. Because he wanted to see the best he, out of he, her. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was, I had never seen an artist do that. They come in, you know, I don't want to just berate most artists, but most artists aren't that. Yeah. Let me just put it that way. Oh, trust me, And yeah. so, and so he came in and it, I think after he did that, she just felt free to do what she wanted to do, and we played it, and we killed it, and and, and she killed it, and then we did Dirty Diana, and she killed it, and, and MJ said to me, "Let me talk to you," and then when we went to his room, she said, "He said that's the one." Wow, that was that. Wow. Okay, she so you got a whole. I know, uh, dude. <laughs> who does that? Who does that? Who does instead that? of being in the corner and the sh- you know, like he you know, did, with, he when we were doing wow, the 30th anniversary concert at the Garden, and I played with. Michael and his brothers and everybody else on the show. I mean, I I was literally working with everybody. I mean, mm. it was Liza Minnelli and, and Luther Vandross. And, I mean, it was a huge, huge undertaking, right? And so when we were rehearsing for Michael's part, he had to go do the MTV Awards or something. And we were already tired, like literally 15, 16, 18-hour days wow. doing that thing. And so Michael was kind of upset. He was like, I'm sorry, guys, I got to go do MTV, but I'll be back. And we were like, but, you know, we're tired. He's like, no, nah, I promise I'll be back. But the, the fact that he just gathered us all in a circle to explain that he was going to go do MTV right quick mm-hmm. and that he would come back. Yeah. I looked at that dude. I was just like, man, who are you? You. That wow. work ethic, man. Man. And, and not only the, but, work, but the, the work ethic, it was just the, the, the respect. The, the yeah, respect. the respect for yeah. the other, the respect. for everybody. Not yeah. even just other, the other musicians, yeah. but he everybody. easily was, could have he, just gone. Yeah, he didn't have to explain himself to you and guys. We would have just been waiting. Yeah, because it's Michael Jackson, but the fact but that he, he took that time. he just wanted to say yeah. to us that I'm, I'm leaving and then I'll be back. So you, you have the drummer mm-hmm. and you have the guitar player. So how did you guys choose bass and like how did 
take me through the band. Well, bass I chose. Mm-hmm. I just picked them. Here's another thing that I did. It was a dear friend of mine. His name is Bashiri Johnson. He's from New York. His percussion is played on. Bash is at least played on five thousand records, but we played together with Whitney Houston when I when I first got with Whitney. Um, but Bashiri is just an extraordinary human being and an extraordinary talented. Mm-hmm. But he's a percussionist, and and Bashiri plays you know all the organic percussion, but he also plays all the electronic stuff. So that way I could have him and Foot play all the stuff and take it off the computer, and it would just feel live because mm. there's just two live human beings playing it. Yeah. But I, he never really had a percussionist in his band, and I knew he loved percussion. And so when he came in one day, and it was just me and him walking around in the, in the, in the trees, like I like to call them all the bodyguards. There's like 10 <laughs> trees <laughs> that walked with us every time we go, which I loved. And me and MJ was sitting and talking, and then when we both stood up, Ten people stood up. Oh, great! That's Michael Jackson, bro. He saw he saw the percussion, and he just started going and playing around. And he was just like, "So I got percussion." I was like, "Yeah." He was like, "Nobody's ever done." I said, "I wanted to put percussion in the band one because I know it makes you dance too. Two, I know you play it. Mm -hmm. I know you like it and you play it. But three, it just frees us up." to create and just do what we do. Yeah. And especially and the rhythm is the most important thing for you, a dancer one. And everything you do is rhythm. It's through the rhythm. Yeah. And so I chose him and he loved that too. So I mean I, I mean That's there's just so many just questions. To know all, just all just up to right there is pretty mind blowing to me. Like um I, I mean that just and just to be in his presence. It must yeah. just now you talked you talked about the enormity earlier, Johnny. Yeah. But see, this is the thing that did get me a couple times, is because I once again I am from the South Side of Chicago and I grew up. I like they, Jackson Five was my first concert ever that I saw. Oh wow. wow! And so and I saw them even when Janet was little, and so we followed them. And so I was a fan. I was just wanted to meet the dude. Not only did I meet him, I befriended <laughs> him, and he trusted me with his whole musical legacy. But sometimes during rehearsal, like when we're working, he's sweating, and we just all working it out, and we're getting in. I would just catch myself staring at him because <laughs> I could imagine not not for any other reason than everything he did just felt like everything has swag. Like if he was sweating, the way he dry, dried himself <laughs> off was like on the beat. Like <laughs> every everything was just oh, cool, wow. and I would just catch myself every now and then. I had to be in control. And lead, yeah. But every now and then, I would say to myself, "That's Michael Jackson." That's Michael Jackson. That's Michael Jackson. Every couple, every now and then, I would just go, "Damn, I'm, I'm in here with MJ." Yeah, man. And and he trusts you, and he. Well, th- that took a minute because I mean, if you watch this, is it, you see us is a scene that we're me and him are battling. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, I got a lot of flack from a lot of fans. How dare you talk to Michael like that? But one, they don't know me. Two, what they also didn't see was when the camera stopped him coming over to me. Okay. Okay, you're right. God bless you. God bless you. I love you. I love you. We say that every day. They didn't see the hugs. So we would would do that what he would call. So they just saw part of the creative process and not the argument sometimes that you have to have. Because he liked to what he called creatively joust every day. We're going to joust today? Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah. That's great. (laughs) We're going to joust. Joust. Yes. I just... I just think um, I don't know to to idolize somebody and and me and Johnny have talked about this and of course me and you have talked about this Mike but sometimes when you have so much respect for the art form that you're in 
and you respect the people that are great at it. And the, and the fact that they come to you for advice or opinions or they really care and think about that just that's just testament to you because I know for me even if if it's somebody that I look up to and they're like yo Ruben what are you thinking in my mind I'm going damn you really care what I think like you're the greatest like you're fantastic at this but it just shows that you have a, 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 a your, your, your talent precedes itself but you have a quality to yourself that makes people trust you and they know mm. what you're doing even for somebody who's much older than you as as michael was but to say hey man this is the guy that can take me to where i want to where i want to go i mean that's that, that's awesome that that's something that i've i've always just blows my mind that the greatest artist of our time goes to michael beard and, and cares about what you think well, I appreciate it. I never really thought about it until after he passed. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have chosen anybody. I know, because I remember when Richard Pryor used to, like, when I was in high school, used to text message me and, and say, hey, man, I really want your Text opinion. message? Yeah, in high- <laughs> Johnny <laughs> fell for it. <laughs> I saw that coming like the Matrix. <laughs> you know, uh, I will say in the, in the documentary, it was amazing to, um, number one, he sounded great he and and you know a lot of times when you watch him in a lot of the of the tv appearances that he i mean it looked like to me i don't know but it always seemed like there was a lot of times he was uh either matching up or lip syncing or whatever Mm. did i Mm -hmm. i don't know if he was always live but on that documentary man he was singing all the time and he sounded amazing but the other part i couldn't believe was his dancing with those young dudes, Man. this yeah, dude was 50, and these yeah. kids couldn't even quite. I mean, he, like you said, the way he takes off his sweat, <laughs> the way he probably puts a hand in his pocket, it's just the way he moves, man. Nobody had that flow, you, that two, fluidity. Two quick stories about that. Unbelievable. One, so one day in rehearsal, I think maybe some of us, I haven't watched the documentary since we did it. I'm one of the producers on it and the music supervisor and the composer. Uh, but I know every frame. Drop of it. your credits, mom. But I, I, but I know credits. exactly. But I know I know every frame of it. And after we premiered it, I just put it away for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. But one day in rehearsal, I never will forget this because one, Billy Jean was one of those songs that I told MJ. I said, okay, we do the, we do the whole song, and then it was just gonna break down to him and foot, just him dancing freestyle. Oh yeah 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 yeah. What, so, what, what, it was just gonna be him. Yeah. He would just give me the sign to stop. It was like a hit, a hat thing, right? And so, when he gave me the hat Woo! thing, I stopped the band, and it's just him and Foot. I told him, I said, "Listen, I'm gonna start screaming like a high school girl right here <laughs> on this part because this is my favorite part, part that everything you ever do." So I told him that before we did the rehearsal, uh-huh. and so I think he was trying to put. I don't know. If put he, some extra on. I don't know if he's trying to put, put it, that sauce just on for me sauce. or just to do it. But all the young dancers were off the stage watching him, right? And he did this one move and not freestyle the. You got to talk to some of the dancers. They lost their mind, and I did too. I was just like, "How are you doing? Are you fifty years old?" And he, like, they could not mess with this dude. And it was yeah. just, and he just looked, and then he gave me the sign, and we stopped the band. But it was just, it was so otherworldly. At, at fifty years old, it, it was, it was just amazing. And then, um, you know, the whole trust thing. Like, so every every day, I would record the band rehearsals. 
uh, if he could come in my room, some days he couldn't because he was just dancing or he was tired or he was busy or whatever it was. Most of the time he was there. But so I would just make recordings, proper recordings uh -huh. to send to him. I got him a, a, a what you call it? Uh, what's some little things? That? No, the um, iPod. Uh -huh. if, at that time, iPod and headphones. And so when he was when he was being driven home, he could listen to the band or whatever. Mm -hmm. So one day he came and it was my the music director's job to make the arrangements of the songs. Certain things could be longer. Certain things had to be cut. You know, that's my job. So one day he came in and they, they said, uh, Mr. Uh, Mr. Beard and Mr. Jackson wants to see you. Now, I always knew when Michael was in the building just because I could feel him. He mm -hmm. just had that. I'd be in my office. Like Dark Vader. Me and Luke. So I went to his room and then... Um, uh, he was telling me some things he wanted to do. I said, I got a new tape. You want to hear the new arrangements? He said, no. I said, we're going to work on, on this song, the song today. Oh, so yeah, we're going to work on it. So you want to hear it? And he wouldn't listen to him every day. He said, no. I said, why? He said, because you got me. Now, I trust you. Mm. No cameras were rolling. Nobody was in there but me and him. Yeah. And nobody can take that. That moment. Away. Nobody can take that moment. Nobody can take that from Wow. Me. So... So, so basically, your reasoning of recording the sessions was for him to listen and give you notes on. Well, him to that listen he... and me to listen, so mm -hmm. I can see. Now, would you listen to all the recordings? Yeah, also, absolutely. See, that's that discipline. As comics, a lot of times we'll record our sets, but the key is: are you going to listen to the set after you <laughs> yeah. record it? Because most right. comics will record him like, man, I don't want to listen back or to it. Or start listening. But and go, why don't you, why don't you guys want to listen to it? I think, you know. Um, yeah. The guy who, who got me disciplined in doing that was, was George, because mm -hmm. George was the first person I'd ever seen that recorded and actually listened to his set. Talking about George Lopez, by the way. Yeah, George yeah, Lopez. Um, he would actually record the sets and listen to them, and most importantly, I saw the difference it made in his act mm. from night to night, because I would see him go, how in the hell does he have like two extra minutes on this bit? Already. Already. Like the, next mm -hmm. the next night. Like you just, I was there. I saw you do it. You didn't do this. And then I would ask him and he'd say, oh man, I, I listened to my shit, man. I go, really? And and I always tell George this is as undisciplined as people might think he is in parts of his life. Oh yeah. But when it comes to his work, no doubt. that motherfucker no is doubt. laser sharp right. in yes. his process. And I learned that. But to, to answer your question, I think sometimes um, comics don't, we just don't want to relive the whole. Well, I mean, it's sort thing. of like a back since we're going throwbacks. Yeah. Sort of like when you used to listen to your own messages. Like uh, if someone played back a message you left for somebody, or you hear your voice. To hear your own and voice. You, and then you go, "Oh man, I like even in uh, the other podcast I did for somebody, and I'm, I listened to it, but I just my voice, my own voice. We don't know we sound like that." Mm. Um, but with comedy, it's different too. Cause sometimes I just have to watch myself. Somebody wanted to put something on the internet yeah. uh, out there on, and I was like, let me, let me watch that set first. Ooh, it's 10, it was only 10 minutes, dude. And it was, it was the hardest thing for me to watch. Yeah. I see my mistakes. I could see where I was. Yeah. It's like you're nitpicking every little thing, but that's the process you need, you need to it, go though. through. You need Cause it, sometimes yeah. I'll listen, then I'll stop. And then I'll literally take a deep breath and go, all right. Just listen, listen to it for the reason you're listening to it for, and that that's the key. 
Yes. That's the key. I mean, we were listening to the music for the reason we were listening to it for. Mm. I still have the tapes. I haven't listened to them. I yeah. don't listen to them for enjoyment. I remember Quincy Jones telling me one time, he's like, I don't listen to the stuff that I do. I haven't listened to If it's on the radio, maybe I might enjoy it, but I don't sit at home and put my vinyl on and go, oh, I did that. Yeah. It's not for that, mm-hmm. you know, because I'm, I'm the... You know, we're all the biggest critics of ourselves. Absolutely. But we also have to do the due diligence because the art is not for you. It's not for it's us. It's for the people. It's for the people. And so you got to give the gift away. Mm-hmm. You might as well make it the best it, it can be. be. Yeah. And that's the reason. I'm a quick story. I mean, I got so many MJ stories now that we're opening this up. He yeah. told me one time, uh, I met him in Tokyo with some other band. They were playing the Tokyo Dome. And he did a show there. And I told him I, I was there when he did that show. He said, You know what about that show? I said, what, MJ? He said, I didn't like it. I said, why didn't you like it? He said, I'm missing dancing and all that stuff. And he said, so I went back to my hotel room and I danced the whole show over from the beginning to the end in the mirror. After he did the show, he re-danced the whole entire show. That level That level of, of detail and commitment. It's, it's not a, wow. a lot of people have talent. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was working with Whitney, she has the most natural gift I've ever worked with in my human existence. There's nobody who had that kind of natural talent and mm. in, in that level of voice. Yeah. She was just on another planet. Yeah. But because she was so gifted, you know, I, if she had the, that kind of level of discipline, discipline. Yeah. you know, some people who are born with, with that, now the, the extraordinary thing about, and I'm not to say that Whit, Nip was a slacker, Whitney, yeah. was a slacker or anything like that, but a lot of people who are naturally talented, they just know they're talented. Exactly. Michael was naturally talented. But he had He that wanted work to be better. Yeah. That's mm. the difference. That's the difference. And so that's why mm. we listened the music that's why i still like i don't i don't enjoy my voice or i don't enjoy but you listen to it for the purpose and, the, and that's for the purpose. and i think that's the switch now for me uh most of the time after i get off uh stage and i stop the recording even on my drive home i'll try to listen to it right then and there while i'm still in that mode or there's a certain moment because we it's like we can play back. Like everyone was fascinated when LeBron James kind of called everything back that happened in yes, the game. Yes. He was like, yeah, and then this, yes. and then I threw it to here, and then the ball went out, and then the ref called a foul. Like he knew every single moment that happened and was able to repeat it back. And I think comedically and as performers, we remember it's like, man, that one bit. And you go, oh, you remember when I did this part? So to go to be able to go to specific moments and go, okay, why were they laughing that hard at that moment? Like what was there something different in my inflection? At that moment, how did I deliver the line? Because sometimes we might have a joke until it's mastered. We'll deliver it different. At least I can speak for myself. Yeah. I'll deliver it different ways until but, I find that correct delivery. But when you the, study that and, it, and it's delivered in a certain way, but does it, isn't other factors like the audience make up the next day? Like you may uh, deliver a joke or something one way. We just talked about that. That morning. I mean, that the night before. Yes. And, and look at it and go, oh, I like how I deliver it and try to deliver it the next day. But it's a whole different audience makeup and it doesn't play the same way. Here's, here's how I answer that question. The execution is the same, but ultimately the result is going to be what the result is. It's just like a baseball player who goes up there. It doesn't matter what pitcher is on the mound. He has his stroke the way that he sings. So for us, and I don't know if I'm if I can speak for Johnny with this. For me, 
the audience is important to the process in terms of our heat sensor to figure out like what's working and what's not working, but they're really, it's about, it's about the presentation Mm. and however they're going to react. And what point we want to make if there's a certain point or something. And we're in, and we'll just, I don't mean to cut you off, but we'll continue to do that. um, And going, no, this is, this is how I want it to, the bit to be. Yes. And then the, the audience is eventually, the more we work on it, the more it gets They're going to come to us. They end up coming on board. That, but there is every now and then, sometimes we get in a quiet, mellow audience mm-hmm. who doesn't react the way. It just happens. Because here's it, the problem, Mike. Happens. The reason why you can't really cater it to the audience because every audience is different and you can't please everybody. No, so you got to be yes, who you are and do what you do. And... As long as you, as the artist, feels like, okay, that's how that joke needs to be delivered, then after that, it's out of my hands. I think what I hands. was really asking, because what you say is true, you never cater for the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you have them in mind. Of course. But, sure. you, but you never cater. Yes. Like, for instance, when, we, when musicians go over to play in Japan, I mean, they love us and all that, but they're just more reserved audience than, say, the audience in Brazil, mm. who are just Party. berserk yeah. all the time. <laughs> and so they're more reserved. Brazil. So the stuff that plays in Brazil, where you don't really have to work as hard, you might have to work a little harder in Japan to Absolute. get that, I, that yes, same yes. reaction. True, true. Yeah, I think the level of your performance does change dictated. Like, if I know it's a dead audience, if we know it's a dead crowd, I know, okay, I'll start with this instead of starting with this. Or you, We shift I, gears. We shift gears. I will say this for minute, me. Yeah. When I work in front of black audiences, I, do, I don't switch up my material, but my performance level goes up. I I'm a, I'm, more yeah. I'm more aggressive. I'm more I'm more aggressive. I'm more direct. I ain't asking a lot of questions because I don't want to hear the response that might come back. Right. You know what I mean? Right. You know. So you you it. So in that aspect, I think you do. There is you do change. Same for me with Lat- if it's an all Latino audience. Mm-hmm. I, I go. I pick up. Maybe pick up the pace a little bit. Uh, yeah. And a little more uh, aggressive. Because that's, that's naturally in our culture. And, or even animate a little more than I normally would because I know I know specifically Latino audiences, like, for the, they like that. And they we like, like a show. Culturally, like a show. We, we, you know, black people want to put show. on a show. We like color. We, we like, like show. yeah. We want, we want, <laughs> we want the inflections. Energy, yes. You know, we want that yes. energy. Yes. And that's Ener- what you, Energy. That's, a, that's, the, that's the, word. the word. Yeah. yeah. That's it. The yeah. energy. But the discernment to be able to figure this out is only due to you guys' experience. Yes. Right. Yes. That's the difference. That is the difference. Because sometimes you'll be in a, a, a room, and I've gotten compliments on this over the years, where you'll come in, and just in a couple minutes, I could just kind of scan the room, and you kind of have an idea of, like, I'm never going to change who I am, but I can discern, like, what this audience needs from me, what I need to give them to get the result that I want for this set. So if the audience is dead, and sometimes it's comics, we'll say this. Like sometimes it's comics. I knew you were gonna say this, yo. Sometimes it's comics. When I walk into a room and there's a certain comic killing, you'd be like, "Oh my god!" If they're laughing at this shit, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but, but I thought you were gonna bring up the other thing, and and, and not to sound egotistical, but Ruben and I, because we're not we're not one trick ponies, because we can we can, we can adjust, man. Right. Like, whatever's happening, yes. whatever. So this is this, yes. is, this yes. is this just recently happened yeah. within the last couple of weeks. So we get it, we, we show up, and, and, the, and the comic, the host, or man, they're horrible. <laughs> I ate it. So and so ate it. So and so. 
And Ruben and I go, oh, all right, let me take a look at these. <laughs> let me look at the and audience. And it's like, and, yeah. him, and then and then some of the comics afterwards it goes back there and that's just a knack for reading it's the just, room yes. not not yeah. to be a yeah. big I, it, that i hope that doesn't come off big-headed or egotistical but it's sort of our our dynamic that we're able to yeah. we might just uh sprinkle that's in more crowd we work exactly we might just walk up do more self-deprecating stuff yeah we might just it's you just have just a sense know. of what we, what we don't go need. from we don't st- we don't start the clock but and go hi yeah I, to me, sometimes it's a puzzle like yes. a quick story uh so michael jordan used to have these events in the bahamas where he would have i think it was his foundation whether well, he do the golf tournament, the golf tournament yeah thing. yeah I heard so of i played him of a, a few, i've never been invited to any of those <laughs> Well, you don't know the people I know. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, anyway, that's Mike B right there. Uh, no, I just, I played him a few, a few times, and, and another really famous keyboardist. Uh, his name is Greg Filling Games. Uh, oh yeah, he used to lead them. And he he was Michael's keyboardist forever. Like I studied him. You know, mm-hmm. that's him on all the Thriller off the wall. That's Greg. So, but we, you know, we've been in this business a long time. We know how to play keyboards. And, and Billy Preston, the great Billy Preston, the fifth Beatle, was on this particular show. It was Lionel Richie, a whole bunch of people. And, and we're on the Bahamas, and they had a B3, Hammond B3 organ there. And me and Greg could not get this thing to work at all. And we both play it, and we both, <laughs> we were like, what the hell? Like, you know, are we going to have to get another? There's only one on the island? Like, shit, Billy's going to be pissed when he gets in there, man. So, you know, we can, Billy comes in and we talk to him. Hey, man, yeah, you know, man, we can't get, sorry, man. You might have to play a keyboard or something. He said, what, what's wrong? We said, we can't get the organ to work. He's like, what's wrong with it? We was like, we don't know it. Billy goes to the organ. He sits down, does a little couple of things. Just start flinging the shit out of it. <laughs> <laughs> Me and Greg look at each other like, what the? You, these two what you renowned do? musicians can't get the keyboard to work. But it was just, I, he grew up, yeah, they probably had one in his crib when he was a baby. Like He, <laughs> he starts playing like a first day. <laughs> Sometimes it's just a puzzle, but I love how you guys go in like, they're horrible. Really? Okay, let me do what we do. And yeah, they, and, yeah they, and, 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 and the other testament sometimes is, I, I don't know how you feel, but I love the small crowds sometimes. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah, I, I had to grow up. I grew up love, with those. Yeah. Yeah. So because you know it's there's a false uh sense of 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 killing when when comics are doing big rooms packed yeah. rooms all the time and I, I i don't get as impressed i get way more impressed with the comics who go up and do really well with those small crowds of 20 people 15 mm-hmm. yeah. 25 and it's they're delivering and they're going at it instead of going the other way i was like well anyway um yeah, you guys don't give a shit about what I'm talking about. But it, yeah. no, dude, give it to them. Yeah. It's not their fault. There's it only 20 listen. people I've, in there. I've been it, taught by some of the greatest people. You know. and, and they always used to tell me, even if it's five or 5,000 or 50,000, you give them the, the same. 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 But, have you, but having said that, Johnny, are you guys, is it like the music industry in a way that a lot of people have this false sense of doing something? When the crowds are bigger and people responded. Oh, absolutely. As opposed to having the talent and the gift to work a smaller crowd or mm-hmm. work a small and, and really be like, for instance, uh, maybe I shouldn't want to jump in this, but maybe Drake and the Pusha T whole beef battle thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they going back and forth, which we like. You yes. Know, it's like telling, you, you know, your mama jokes on the playground when you were a kid. That's yeah. cool. But once you start going below the belt and start talking about illness and mm-hmm. all that kind of thing, yeah. then to me, that's that's not 
craft. Yeah, that's just being mean spirited. That's just yeah. being mean spirited. So people, what I'm saying is to equate it to this is a lot of people just go to the the go to thing without okay, it's a smaller audience. Maybe I need to give them this level of talent or this level of. Well, gift. I've learned I've learned so much in doing those sm small uh, shows because as Johnny would attest to you and. I, and I'm grateful for the friends that I have. Jamie, the owner of the Laugh Factory, used to give me the last spot of the night on Friday and Saturdays. And sometimes I wouldn't get up until 130, yeah, 140. Yeah. And, you know, but, but before I go on, like the whole night, you got to understand, they used to roll the 10 o'clock in the midnight show. So by the time I got on stage, the, but when I showed up to the club, club would be completely sold out. By the time I got on stage, there'd be like 10 people left in the audience. Yes. and Who have laughed the whole entire who night. Who have laughed the whole, whole night. But my, my, my thought process was this. If they stay, they want to be here. So my thing was I didn't really have the options of getting any other spots or getting any better spots. So I just learned to be grateful, even though I wasn't happy about it. There's a difference. I wasn't happy about the last spot of the night, but I was grateful that I had it. So I wanted to do something with it. And I just tried to become as good as I could be at 2 o'clock in the morning. Because my thing, and me and Johnny always says this, it's easy to kill, man, when it's the 10 o'clock show up on second, a Friday, on Saturday second night. Second or third. You're They've had second. their drinks. They're hot. It's packed. Yeah. And then you're walking around with your chest puffed yeah. out like you really did something like they would have yeah. laughed at anything. Yeah. They're going to laugh at anybody. They'll, yeah. they'll laugh at a guy that's been only been doing it for a few years who's got a solid 10. Yeah. Yeah. He'll kill. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. this just happened to me on uh, Saturday night. I had I was supposed to be first at the end at the beginning of the, the midnight, midnight show, show, which I'm okay with it on, on now. That's speaking of going up and changing. Yeah. What you want to do is it's full. It's still packed. The people are still there from the 10 o'clock. So when they're finishing up on that midnight and they bring you on to start the midnight show, you want to keep wanna, the audience. You want to ride the wave from that last comic and you want to keep them in their seat. They ended up changing. They, sh they shifted the, the, the lineup. And so uh, you've got to be able to really keep their attention. And if not, and so I got the spot where everybody was leaving, you know, yeah. 30, 40 people at once. And that's a whole different mindset. I go now something like that. That's when I go balls out and I'm trying to keep, everybody in their seats and so that's even a faster pace than i would normally mm -hmm. ever go mm -hmm. but you you have to man there's no rest in that in that there's trying none. to keep people in their seats and and i got promoted to that spot which was another shitty spot and i used to call that the, <laughs> oh, yeah, the dane cook spot because yeah, dane cook dane used cook. to own that 10 o'clock show friday and saturday so I used to have to be the first, I used to be last for years. Then I got moved up to the first comic on the midnight show after Dane. But after Dane. So Dane yeah. would say, good night. Thank you guys for coming. They were all there to see him. And they were right. all there to see him. Mm -hmm. And they would just get up and just start to walk out. So you're, you're on stage waiting for the room to clear. And I would, and I just started working on different tactics yeah. To See, this keep is why, my dignity. This is I'm sorry, Ruben. Go ahead. Up, but this is why I love the 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 comparison with comedy and music because mm -hmm. it's so similar. So a lot of people will ask me, you know, how did you become Michael Jackson's music director? Well, it wasn't that I just got the call and I went. Yes. I had to go through some stuff. Yes. And I'll talk about years and years and years and years and years of doing this, even sleeping on my keyboards in the van, going from doing one nighters. Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of things, mm -hmm. but. 
when I was in college, it was this kind of thing. The fifth set of the night, hmm. it's two in the morning. Yeah. It's about to be last call. It's five drunk people in there, mm. and you still got to make, make that good. feel like something. Yeah. Or you eat, even say you get a good spot. Say you in the, the dinner spot, and say you, you the band starts at eight. Mm. And everybody's eating and you in there, but they in there clinking, mm. yeah. forks and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> so like if, I, if I was if I was taking a solo, let's say it was a jazz artist I was with, and I was taking a solo, and everybody's drinking it up, and you hear blenders in the back, I would get as quiet as possible, just like you know, rats pitting, pissing on cotton, quiet. Right, <laughs> just quiet as possible to just draw, draw everybody, everybody in. into yeah, me. How yeah. that works. And then you just start taking them over, and then then you get the. But you have to learn that you have to be in those situations to make that learn. But it was just not. Listen, I've been in some Blues Brothers situations, yeah. where chicken yeah. white. Like I've been in every kind of situation yeah. you can think of musically to get to the Michael Jacksons and the Lady Gaga. Now, now would you say along with? Uh, I mean, one thing that we've made clear is experience is a catalyst that creates these great experiences that we've had in our lives. But also, uh, me and Mike have talked about this, and I'm sure me and you have talked about this, Johnny. We've been fortunate to have great mentors, you know, that have given us that advice and told us how to approach things. And it just seems nowadays there isn't there isn't probably people really passing on that knowledge or people aren't listening anymore and some aren't asking and some aren't asking Maybe. some of them are it's a different mentality so they're like i yes. got this i'll put up my videos yes. i'll just i'll just video self videotape myself all the time mm-hmm. and i don't need to be like these guys who i'm not going to be 20 plus years like these dudes yeah see, see, it's, it's so know? many layers to this and let me see if i can just capitalize it quickly because when we were all coming up you had to have the actual talent hmm but you also want it to be better. Yes. Yeah. You know, like when we were having Battle of the Bands when I was growing up in Chicago, playing at block parties and all that stuff, you didn't walk around the neighborhood happy because your band lost. You wanted to be better yes. than the bands that to, won. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing. The mentorship part of it, and we were all blessed. I don't know who, who yours were, Johnny or, or Rube, but you know, I've had some great ones. Ramsey Lewis, the great pianist, was one. Uh, Herbie Hancock was another one. Mm-hmm. Quincy Jones eventually became one. Yeah. Um, so I had some great advice. They didn't, they didn't sit down and tell me, dictate to me, this is what you do to get here. It was just about life experience. Yeah. But I also had the curiosity mm. and the and, so and, to, and to I ask. wanted to, yeah. to ask. So yeah. a few years ago, I did this this tribute to Quincy uh, at, at some awards thing. And I was, I was a music director and I had to put all his music together in this, this presentation. So at the end of it, it was him, Cindy Poitier, all these people came out. And so I went to see Quincy backstage. I said, how was it? He, he was just like, you brought me to tears. I was like, is that bad? <laughs> he said, no, it was that beautiful. And so yeah. I sat with him and we would talk it and he's 85 now, but he could still out hang each and every one of us in this room right now. Mm. But I sat and talked with him um, and we were just talking about mentorship and all that stuff. And he said, well, who are you leaving this to? I said, well, what do you mean? I, I have kids that I mentor and all. He said, no, who, who are you leaving this to? And so and I told him a story that when I was living in New York, there was this young kid, there was a hip hop kid and he wanted to learn how to play. 
yeah. not just do beats. So I would go to his house. He had the kind of house that you had to go take your hat off when you got in the house. Mom was respectful, all that kind of stuff. I was working with him. He was coming along. I went on tour or something, so I didn't see him. I saw him at some music industry thing. He had a gold chain on and all this stuff. I was like, yo, what's going on with you? How you doing, man? Yo, man, I, you know, I had some success. I had a hit out with this rapper I won't mention. Big hit. I was like, yo, you, you keeping up with your plan? And I was like, oh, man, I don't need that shit. Wow. Oh, dude, I made it now, man. I made it. Uh, Ain't heard from this dude since. Yeah. Because his style of producing has now gone out wow. of style. And, and he you have adjust. nothing else to One adjust trick pony. to. So, and yeah. the, the thing about technology and what you just mentioned, you're absolutely right. Everybody thinks that if you have 10,000 likes or you know 10,000, that you are doing something. Yeah. But... You can, anybody can do that. You can buy that. You can take your clothes off to get it. You can do like right. you don't have to necessarily be talented mm. to have likes. Oh no, not at all. I mean, what, there's what a are you <laughs> doing to garner? What is your? I'd talent? rather have not as many likes or as many followers, followers. which I don't. Mm -hmm. I don't have a lot, thousands and thousands of followers, but the ones I have are engaged. Yes, and the ones I have are moved mm -hmm. to do and be and elevate and resonate. And, and vibrate on a higher frequency, and I, I prefer that. Mm -hmm. I, absolutely. I just remember, right. like, coming up, and you just don't hear this, where an older comic comes to you like, hey, man, can I talk to you for a second? And just give you advice. Yeah. yeah. You know, unwarranted, unsolicited, not unwarranted, unsolicited advice that just coming to you because they saw something in you, they saw potential. But, again, if I'm really thinking about it like you, like you guys just said, I was curious and I wanted to know, so I would ask a lot of questions. So maybe that's why they but, would approach me because they I was always asking questions, like always exactly wanting why. to know. Like, but isn't it? But isn't it different though? Because I, I can tell the difference. I I'm tentative to approach a younger comic nowadays to give to to say, hey, do you mind if I give you you know whether it's advice mm -hmm. or some positive constructive or or. Constructive yeah. because, or even if it's a positive, it's, it's, a, I'm always leery. So a lot of times I, I I'm thinking about something like, man, if he could add on his whatever to this, it and I don't be, even, not even telling him what yeah. to do, but have you thought about like something? And then I catch myself going, nah, never mind, man. Yeah. I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. I mean, sometimes I do it, but there's times I pull back cause I go, I don't know, man. You don't I, know how they're going to take sometimes it. Sometimes they don't be... take it. Like, no, I got it, dude. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Like, uh, okay. And then I feel like an idiot going, oh, I approached well, well, the well, guy. Let me, and I, you know. let me yeah. just say this, and it's it's alluding to what uh, Mike, Mike just said. I think the problem nowadays is, especially when it comes to just the pure art form of what we do, like just because you're in a movie or on a television show, doesn't mean you're a great comic. Like they're totally, <laughs> completely, completely separate things. Yes, they're completely separate things. But in the stand-up world, because the goal is for a lot of us to get in films, to yes. get in television, yes. we automatically think it comes with the crown of man. You doing movies now? You're a great comedian. Yeah. But we all know some of the best comedians aren't household names no. and aren't no. movie stars yeah. who yes. will blow the doors off of some of these yeah. famous comics. Yeah. And it's the same, same with musicians. Musician. So yeah. I just have always tried to focus on what the art is, be as good as I can be at that, and then everything will will spawn from that. But the last point uh, I wanted to make, and you know, I, this can be a two-part show because uh, we ain't even touching half the stuff we could talk about. But uh, 
the people I tend to get along with in life are the people who love comedy and not just like comedy. And you, Mike, being a musician, love comedy. It's and <laughs> you know, well, you do because lo- you're, you're my friend. But I love it. Like I've seen you. I've, yeah. I've, I love it. I like to see the guys come in and work on material. Yes, I like to see the struggles. I like. Where to, did that love come from? Was this was what? it coming up in Chicago? Did your parents play albums? Did you just? You well, know, I mean, watch, we did, start watching we did everything. TV. Everybody else did, you know, sneak and listen to Richard Pryor yeah, records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we Richard did Pryor. all See, I, didn't, I didn't have that experience. Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I know we, what he's talking about. Yeah, we, yeah. we did all of that, but I just love to laugh. And then once I got older and just to to see what a craft it is and, and what a gift is. I mean, the only difference between that and music is music is a language that everybody speaks. Mm-hmm. Yep. So I can go, um, and like I produced this guy from China who didn't speak one word of English. Mm-hmm. And three months in the studio, we made one, a beautiful record. Yeah. Because we, we speak music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I can go all around the world and just play. Because the keys are going to be the keys no the matter key, where the, you are. The, the, it's only 12 tones. It's only yes. 12 notes. And so that's, <laughs> yeah. that's you know... But the cra- the what you guys do is so beautiful to me, uh, just to make people and you, you synthesize the world in such a way where it's the details of it. It's something that we go through every day, but you might look at one little aspect of it and you never even thought of that. Mm. You know, don't you hate driving in LA yeah. and the car horn sound like it? whatever the, the yeah. subject is. Right. You can go off on a tangent about that one thing, and you and you just go home laughing. I just love the craft of. Mm-hmm. I love the styles of it. As we were talking about earlier off air, you know, one liners. Yeah, when we were talking about you got Frazier. Yeah, Frazier coming, coming from Henny Youngman to all these Rodney. People. Rodney's so one Rodney of my favorites. Well, yeah. Rodney's one of those, but Stephen Wright is my oh. one of my favorite. Yeah, Mitch Hedberg has oh. a diff, another different yeah. kind of way of. Of the, so it's the evolution of the one-liners and yeah. the way that yeah. you do it, then the styles of that, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. So I just love all the schools. Uh, you know, I love there's so many people yeah. that. Because when I first and, and by the way, ahead. I'm go sorry, ahead. no, no, because I meant to say this earlier when we were talking musicians and comedians. Uh-huh. You know, there's always been that old saying that musicians want to be comics yeah. and comics want to be musicians. And yeah. I can't tell you, well, uh, I always sit back listening to music or I'm, I watch concerts or and I always go. Man, I wish I could be well, up, but it's just like band our, band or yes. our, our friend uh, uh, Josh Adam Myers does the the comedy jam with when he gets comedians, you know, uh, to come up and oh. and, and oh, do cool. songs yeah. and everything. Yeah. And it's been a hit shows on Comedy Central, and he actually has a, a big show coming up at the Roxy that he's going to do, and I think it's with Bill Burr and a bunch of people okay. where they all go up oh, Maz right. yeah. and they play instruments and whatever yeah so most plays or he's gonna sing oh he's gonna do something i know but craig yeah but johnny will remember this i used to do a show at the mint called the gathering and the whole concept was to bring music yes uh dancers and comedians all together on one show to perform for, for each other and we called it the gathering where there was no rules. If a comedian wanted to go up there and do comedy, work on a late night set, he can do that. If he wanted to jam with the live mm-hmm. band and do a song, he could do that. We had Macy Gray show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, of, uh, one of the keyboard players, he toured with Nora Jones. So we had legit musicians. I had dancers who would dance with Michael Jackson and Usher, not Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson and Usher mm-hmm. and different people. So that art, that we all talk about is just uh, it's cool to see, 
you know, how we all have this reverence and respect for what the other one totally. does. Yeah. You know, and yes. he's right. We do. A lot of comedians wish we could be rock stars. I, I haven't met one that has it. <laughs> <laughs> Actors to like, but, dude, but you know, yeah. I, I also, you know how much I love, I love dancing and I always danced a lot when I was young, but you know, I mean, I even, I mean, I still watch shows like, so you think you can dance because yes, I just love, yes. so even that as well, when I watch, that's why I think I caught on so much to the choreography of no, no, I Michael. Agree. And, no, I agree. It, it, it's, Yes. Oh man, the the, the, the Richard dancers Jackson, who so I work with with Lady Gaga is probably one of the most brilliant choreographers I've ever worked with really? in my in my whole See, career. It, it, oh. I, I, I wish we had more hours to talk because I think what makes him so brilliant and, and Johnny will appreciate this is because he he doesn't like he doesn't choreograph in what they call eights. So we just mm. we do this move for eight bars and we do this move for eight. council. We do this move. He 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 choreographs in between the notes. He 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 wow. choreographs on beats, and so it's not it's not something that you can just you just have to know what you're doing to do his thing. But he but the the beauty of what he does, and I think is like the hidden secret of what what Michael did is you make the complex look simple. Hmm. That is the hidden genius of Michael Jackson too. By yeah. the way. Yeah. All that complex music he and Quincy and everybody created with all these jazz chords and thirteenths and elevenths and all this big band arrangement type stuff. He make it he made it feel but, so simple. But here's the thing, Mike, like what <laughs> wow. you're saying, that's that's deep what you just said. They make the complex seem simple. I think you can say that about anybody who's great at what they that's, do. That's absolutely Tom right. Brady makes yeah. quarterbacking look simple. Uh, Michael Jordan made, made basketball, basketball look simple. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yes. Wow, that's a. I think you I know, might coin that phrase, uh, man. But, but, <laughs> the, it, Greatness I, I, is making the complex seem simple. simple. You know, people even said that about it. yeah. People even said that about me, man. Like when I go up on stage, man, I, I just I make it look easy. Okay, right, so Tommy. Tommy and Johnny, how do y'all deal with this dude in here? Uh, right, Every what thank me? You. Thank you. No, it's okay. you. Before we before we have to go though, I because I I wanted the the, the tag. Rube knows I love him. Go, no, I, I wanted to go on this when you were talking about Michael going back into his room and then going because. He took dancing to, you know, he didn't, you know, a lot of people, the people that don't know think that he started the moonwalk. James and, Brown and, and all and, the other people But, but you know, he was, uh, he got Jackie together with Wilson. that one hip hop guy to show him how to yeah, do the, the moon. I remember, yeah. I just uh, saw I this was recently. It, was, it, was it Boogaloo Shrimp? It was Boogaloo, not Boogaloo. It, was, it, was, Chambers? it wasn't Boogaloo. It was, it was, it was uh, oh. I can't remember his but, name. But I, I don't know what I just watched Because Boogaloo went to my high school, by the way, okay, but go yeah. ahead. So he, so then Michael. <laughs> Bringing it back to you. Yes, of course. Okay, Orange 45. <laughs> I can't call that dude's name. Uh, we can't call no, it. No, That's no, a no, whole other no, thing. So, yeah. so, um, so, but, but Michael <laughs> would take, but Mike would Orange take things 45. from, uh, from like a, a, a normal moonwalk, and then he made it to the Michael Jackson moonwalk. Just like yeah. I saw once, I, I think I saw this on YouTube. There was a clip of him on Soul Train. He, now he was already a, a yeah. little older. He was in his teens, his 16, 17, 18, and he does the robot. Oh yeah! It, oh, you see that? Yeah. that yeah. Oh yeah! That's my favorite. He takes one of my fa the robot to yeah. like nobody could. But, but anyway, he was in this interview it. and he was talking about, and I th I was like, wow! After all this time, when he did, when he first introduced, when he did Billie Jean on the anniversary, the Motown, Motown anniversary, twenty fifth anniversary, twenty fifth anniversary, yeah, and he Pasadena. does the he does yeah. the moonwalk, and and everybody, it's still iconic. It's the thing that everybody talks about. And in this interview, they re-aired an interview, and I'm, I wish I could he didn't remember. like the performance. By the way, that's what. So he was, it so bothered him, right? He didn't like the performance. No, no he told me he didn't like it because he didn't, 
That was wanted, an iconic moment. He wanted to stay on his toes. Yeah. So when him. he stuck, uh, that's what I was going to bring up. So he, they show it to him and he's looking, he's like, oh, oh, he's going like that. Oh, and then they're <laughs> like, you don't, you, I just, everything wasn't right. But that I want. So when he did the moonwalk and turned around and went up on his toes, he wanted that to stick for a, a few seconds. And you can see his feet kind of just lose a little balance, so he he has to pull out. Oh my! He I, goes, man. That that's what I said. I go, what? But, that, but see, that's the that's the perfectionist yes. part of man. Of that's that great. Because I didn't I didn't know that until I talked. And this is the other thing about the enormity of the task and all that. I did take advantage of asking them questions because I had the audience. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, he was right there. So when stuff came to me, I would ask him like real quick. And, and the excitement of how you just got there lets me know you were a dancer. And I, we'll talk yeah. about it in a quick yeah. But I asked him one day at lunch, I said, say, MG, what you listening to? Yeah, what's right. what's on the what's on the radio? What what's what's on the radio? Like, and at that time it was Jamie Foxx, uh, Blame It on the Out. Uh, so he started singing it. He was Blame It on the Out. He started singing it in the MJ way. Oh, wow. He's like, goodness. I don't know if I I could sing the alcohol part, but I like I like the song. And and, <laughs> and he started singing, and I was just like, man, if people could hear yeah. oh, him do God. what is on the radio now. Because he was a fan of music, of he like was, the modern music, because he started working with the younger yeah, people. No, man. I, no absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He was, we were doing stuff then. That's another long story. But what, well, what he did. We got to have you back on, man. What you, oh, des- sure. what you described was what great artists do. They take what came before them, not plagiarize it and not try to make it their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, although, you know, somebody like Luther Vandross, he would do somebody else's song. You never heard the other, the original because after he did it, it was like his song. Yeah, it's over. Like, yeah. He just took it. You know, mm. that was just another <laughs> level of gift. Yeah. But Michael would take, he didn't invent these things, but he would take it and filter it through him. him yeah. And makes, I'm talking about from Fosse. I was just going to bring Fosse up. To yeah. uh, Fred Astaire, yeah. to all these people, even even Charlie Chaplin, Chaplin he loved, you know, all these different people. You know, I met, I met Gene Kelly once. Uh, when I was working with Madonna, Madonna would bring me into her dressing room all the time to meet people. And it'd be Shaq and all these people. I don't want to meet these people. Yeah. But so one day she said, Michael, come to my dressing room. I'm like, who, what basketball player is this going to be today or whoever? And I go in, it's just like this old, I know we got to go, this older gentleman, dapper, sitting on, the, on, the, on her couch. And I was like, hi, how are you? And she goes, uh, I want you to meet my music director, Michael. This is Gene Kelly. I was like, singing in the rain, Gene Kelly. Wow. And, and, and so, you know, Michael took, and I, was, I sat and talked to him for a minute. And, you know, back in those days, when you work in the studio, you just worked in the studio. And he was telling me, because we were on the Sony lot when we were rehearsing for that particular tour. And he was telling me, you just go in at the gate. Hey, Charlie, how you doing? Hey, where am I today? You know, you're stage 45. What are you doing? Uh, you're dancing for an hour. And then, then you're going to sing. And then, you know, then you're going to go act. Well, what what picture am I doing? You're like, I, you know, you'll see when you get the sides there. So you mm. just you were just a commodity. You it was no agent telling. I mean, there were agents, I'm sure, but yeah. you know, you yeah. just had to have the talent to do what you were doing. You were going to dance and that. So he was saying, um, singing in the rain. A lot of that he just improved. You know, he had it his points. Yeah. And the director was saying, oh, this looks good. This mm-hmm. looks good. But within the structure. He was you doing do that, you. and so that's what MJ would do. He would take all the Fosse and all the, you know, Sammy Davis, all these yeah. people that he loved, and and, and the hip hop kids feel too, it. and yeah. just feel it and, and just, just synthesize it. it through MJ. And yeah. I and in that interview, he said he was bothered by himself that night with the with I his performance. And he the next day 
he gets a call. I think it was Gene Kelly that called him because Gene Kelly's younger than Fred Astaire, right? It had to be Gene Kelly. Yes, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yes. So he, he says he gets a call, Gene Kelly, the next day after the Motown special. Uh-huh. And Gene Kelly told him, you're amazing. You're an incredible dancer. And it made Michael, that validated him not sticking that oh, man. because he got yeah. the call, dude. It's, it's just, unbelievable. That, it level, unbelievable. that level of greatness, that level of commitment, I think as artists, we all aspire to, are we will, but you know, are we willing to put in that type of work? That type of work. Yeah. And I think we are. I think everyone sitting at this table, um, everybody yes. blossoms at, at different times and everybody gets ultimately what they deserve. I feel in life, if you, you know, stay consistent, um, but just that level of commitment to be that nitpicky, like we talk about listening to our sets and stuff like that when we don't want to do it and we're our own worst critics. Those are the things that lead you to doing stuff that could possibly one day and you be have iconic. to do it even if you don't get the accolades and you yes. have to do it even if you don't get the rewards and you have to do it even if not a lot of people know maybe one day you'll you'll grow to that but you have to do it for the love of the craft and the reverence for what you do yeah mm. i i mean well said yes. well said mike well uh, man, Dude, thank you. We can, I know. Thank you for doing the show. We got to have you on back. See, how, we can, how long yeah, did we, how we, long did we, we go, can, Tommy? Uh, we went an hour and 25, and we haven't even scratched yeah. the surface. See, um, this is, we should do a, a podcast where you can binge on eight episodes. We do eight of them with him. Yeah. We call it Net Talks. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. I like that. Ooh. I like that. I like Ooh. that, Johnny. And it's T A L X. Okay, T A L X. All right, we we stop, stop. Let's just go with that. This talks. All right. Anyway, that was a good idea, but I just, Mike, thank you from the bottom of my heart, man. We got to do this again. We didn't even get to into the whole Johnny being a huge ACDC fan and your experience with different genres. I don't know. Oh, you got the rock side too. You got all the rock stuff too. Come on, man. Please. This is Michael Ma fucking beard. Quick, quick story. Yes. Yeah, we got it. Well, I was just playing in George's golf tournament that, that I play every year for his kidney foundation. Yes. These guys that were insurance, I was playing with one of the guys. And so he was driving the car and he was playing his, you know, his little boom box with Wi-Fi. He says, okay, I know you a hotshot music director and all this. Stuff. He says, I'm going to play a song. That's going to determine if we can be friends, right? Uh -huh. So he plays Greg Alm and uh, Tuesday's Gone is uh, the cover of Leonard Skinner, right? Mm -hmm. And I just started laughing. And he was <laughs> like, why? You don't like the music? I said, that's me playing on this song. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we best friends, Bob. <laughs> he lost <laughs> Excuse me. He lost his shit. He lost his mind. He called his girlfriend, there. and it was a tribute that I had done with Don was uh, Leonard Skinner at the Fox Theater in Atlanta. With all these bands that were on it, and, and that's Greg, you playing Greg Allman and <laughs> Peter Frampton and all these people. Oh, and so that's me playing man. piano, the solo, and Greg sitting next to me playing organ. And you can buy, you can see it on video. You can actually buy the video, but uh, I think it's called "One More for the Fans" or something like that. Leonard Skinner tribute. But but when wow. he played that, and as soon as the chorus came on, I just started laughing because. <laughs> I was like, I, I know what I sound like. I hadn't listened to it since we did. We did it a few years ago, but what? Wait, wait, wait a minute. I'm sorry. We yeah. to, you knew you know what you sound like. I know what I sound like. Yeah. Wow. I know what I sound like. Isn't that crazy? Oh, I never thought about. Think that. about that. Yeah. So you could be going go. Oh, that's me playing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But because that's it, deep. The to only me. reason here's the reason why, which is probably deeper 
that I need to get on this show. Oh man, we got to talk about because this. when you're creating, I don't know how it is when you're creating in a studio in a controlled environment, and you're trying to, like for instance, when the song doesn't exist and you have to make it exist, it has to come through you. Yeah. So I remember all the feelings and all the 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 vibes that I have while I'm creating it. And if that's to take and it goes out into the world, I know what that feels like and I know mm. what that sounds like. I don't have to ever listen to it again once I do it. But once it comes through me, yeah. I know what it is. It's like having a kid. Yeah. Mm. I of course we've never had kids, yeah. but you know I know what you're saying. It would be it's it's like that. So yeah. No, I have. <laughs> oh well, you, you gave have, birth. You, you gave, gave birth. birth. Oh, I see what you mean. Oh, I thought you meant have kids. Are you even listening? No, yeah, I'm listening. This I mean, is Michael Bearden. If you he's on the show. Birth, man, you need to be making way more money. I know. <laughs> I know. You need to be paying Tommy <laughs> way more than that. I thought you meant just having a child. Okay. Oh, yeah. see, see what I got to put up with. Hey, cut Damn, that part out. it was such a cut, profound cut moment. Cut that part out. Damn. Damn. Anyway, right. this is the Net pod. Talks. Oh, um, sorry. This is the pod. Don't be giving away. See, we Damn, can talk about dude. that after the show is gone. Yeah. Well, this is the pod couple <laughs> podcast. I want to thank the great Michael Beard yeah, for being on the show. He's the only one that calls me that, too. Of course. Is that what I call you? I'm speaking it into existence, yes. and you need to start calling me the great Reuben Paul. So <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back to me, baby. Uh, no, nah, but thank you, Mike. Yeah. Come on, man. Thank you so much for yeah, uh, so doing fun, the show. Man. Thanks for having uh, me. Guys. We can't wait to have you back on. Uh, Johnny, what you got going coming up? Anything? Uh, oh, Taco Shop's out on uh, iTunes. On demand, Amazon, and out on TV. So go look for Taco Shop. Of course, I do my show here at the Laugh the movie, Factory. The movie. Yeah, uh, Taco Shop, the movie. I do my show here every Tuesday night at Ruby the Laugh Tuesday. Factory called Ruby Tuesdays. Ruby Tuesday. um, best show in town, in my opinion, because uh, I... Because <laughs> I just bring the best comics and we true. celebrate it diversity. We celebrate no. no, no, no. We celebrate diversity several. on the show, and, yeah. and that, to me, is, is very important. And um, So thank you guys for listening. Um, tune in next week. Um, and that's about it. Thank you guys. All right. We out.